0: Episode 207, we're going to review the five things that your band or performing ensemble crowdfunding campaign has to have in order to really be successful. Hold on, here we go. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. All right, so this episode is what I would classify as a smaller, shorter, short-form episode, and this was really inspired after uh, two, actually I can think of three conversations over the past seven days that have directly inspired me to generate some content on a short, finite list of variables that are within the control of your organization, your performing ensemble, that you can control, you can manipulate, you can move to your advantage in order to crush your crowdfunding campaign. So that's what we're going to do. All right, so over the past seven days or so, I've had a couple of conversations with Perspective fans raised clients that had asked some very thought-provoking, some very insightful questions, and really forced me to take some of the things that I believe and that we believe as an organization, uh, and and list them out. And, and really, the question that was uh, posed to me was, "What are the, you know, the, the short list? What are the most important things that we have to consider?" in order to make this crowdfunding campaign successful and make it over deliver. So first and foremost, I think that success is one of those things that can be highly variable from organization to organization. And sometimes I have to be careful because I will sometimes see an ensemble come by uh, our website, they set up their organization, they upload their list of, of, of students or members, and maybe they have 30, Members participating, and maybe half of them say 15 to 20 of them decide they're going to participate, and maybe they raise a few hundred dollars. And maybe that campaign, from an effort and engagement standpoint, looks a little bit thin. I sometimes have to be very, very careful that I don't come back with a Uh, something that sounds a bit negative. (laughs) So, um, you you know, I I think success is very much in the eye of of the beholder. And um, I I think that, you know, I, I can look at a campaign. I can say, okay, this is the type of campaign the organization wants to run. This is the number of students they have involved. I can see the raw data in terms of the percentage of engagement, the number of members that are engaged, the number of contacts that they've entered, Um, We can get a sense on after the campaign deploys how many of those emails are good emails, how many of them are being received and read, and we can begin to extrapolate what the overall scope of the campaign should look like from a revenue standpoint. And it's hard not to do that because obviously we want to hope for the best and we want to help our partners and our clients uh, benefit as much as humanly possible. but sometimes we'll get a campaign that on paper looks really, really good and may only generate say $500 where I look at it and say, wow, that should really be able to generate $5,000. And when I go back to the director or the administrator, And we pull up on the campaign progress and results. They're they're thrilled with $500 where I'm like, wow, really? Okay. And it's it's sometimes I have to sort of step back and go, okay, uh, you know, the preconceived notions and the, um, you know, what I think is is good. uh, Sometimes I think results are great. And sometimes results are a little bit um, out of expectation, either higher or lower or sideways. Uh, By the organization, so that's always interesting But all right, so point of today we're going to isolate five things That we feel at fans raise are the most important factors that need to be considered to make sure That you're setting up your odds for success in the most advantageous way uh, To build a campaign that over delivers So the first thing I'm sorry for sniffling. I'm still getting over a cold number one would be what we call executive endorsement so you'd be shocked at how often we come across a campaign that isn't fully baked is kind of thrown together best intentions by either uh, maybe it's a band director but oftentimes it's a bam booster it's a parent it's a well-wisher it sometimes could be somebody on staff. It could be a color guard coordinator or percussion drumline guy that's just trying to raise money for their little section of the of the organization. And I think at, at, a, at the core of a successful campaign is, should be a high degree of executive sponsorship in the sense that whoever the head band director is or the head uh, organizational director, they not only permit the campaign or allow the campaign to happen, but they get behind it and they push it. And they urge, they request, sometimes they require uh, the students or the members to take part and to participate. And I, I think one other consideration you may want to give to this is that in some larger band programs, even some smaller ones too, I can tell you that Uh, The band director is definitely the alpha. The band director is definitely the head guy or lady in charge, as it should be. But I can also tell you, and this goes back to my years in the classroom and my years on the podium as a band director myself, I know that in a lot of cases, when you have the supporting captions and the percussion and the color guard, I know a lot of the band director's time is spent in front of the woodwinds and the brass, and sometimes the specialty staff, uh, in terms of the instructional staff or the percussion, the color guard, they're off with their own caption heads and their own specialists. And sometimes the woodwinds and the brass really fall in lockstep with what the band director sees. But the percussionists really are kind of marching to the beat of their own caption head. And the color guard is you know, also with theirs. So if you think about it, those kids in those sections and again, we're speaking of this in the marching or, or or band sense, if you will. 99% of their performance direction, their constructive criticism f- are coming from those caption heads. So it does make sense that they're going to ask how high when those individuals say jump, for instance. So I think endorsement from caption heads, very, very beneficial and very, very needed for a successful campaign. Okay, number two, the second most important item to consider in order to set your crowdfunding campaign up for big success is the campaign focus. So in other words, it's the questions that really revolve around what is it and who does this campaign benefit? So we've blogged about this and we've generated some content on this in the past. But uh, one of the most important questions to cover really becomes, is my campaign set up as a capital campaign? Is it set up as an annual giving campaign? Is it very, very specific for a capital campaign? Usually capital campaigns are the higher dollar amounts. They're the ones that are extremely specific in the sense that we're aiming for new uniforms or a new truck or new trailer or a uh, new renovation for our concert hall. Um, we're commissioning a piece, things like that. Um, The parallel to that would be an annual giving campaign. And from what we see at FansRaise, is the annual giving campaigns can be very, very general, which is a good thing because you can set up a capital campaign to be ultra uber specific or you can set up an annual giving campaign to be very, very general and somewhat generic. And there are going to be times where you need both. So we're not... To, you know, I get asked all the time, "What should I do?" And I think it really comes down to what do you need, and when was the last time that you did a capital campaign, and maybe you do a uh, a more general annual giving campaign to kind of tee up that next capital campaign in the in you know six to twelve months from now. So again, from a definition standpoint, the annual giving campaigns are those that cover general basic operational costs. And they can be fairly general, and they can be pretty generic in nature. We're talking about things that are what I classify as being unsexy types of expenses, things like overhead, rental. Um, we can we can say um, you know uh, facility rental, vehicle rentals, uh, ongoing staff expenses, things like that. And again, your context may vary a little bit. Uh, but there are certain things that every ensemble needs every year in order to keep the lights on. So these are annual giving campaigns are what I kind of classify as keep the lights on type of campaigns. Capital campaigns would be different. Capital campaigns are a little bit larger than normal and they may come along every year or every year and a half or every two years. But these are more the splashy big ticket items things like uniforms trucks trailers bigger sexier goals. Uh, that fall into that category so I think understanding what you're asking for really what you need and then just the distinction between those two different categories is really key so once you get your arms around exactly what you're after and what you're looking for it's going to make it a whole lot easier to assemble the finer details and the bits and pieces okay number three the third factor to consider is what we would call a plan for your audience so The audience for your campaign is certainly a key component. So who are you targeting? Are you targeting existing membership, families of existing members? Are you targeting alumni? Are you targeting community uh, and your local geography? Are you targeting all of the above? Uh, I think you need to isolate your chosen audience. You need to figure out how you can best communicate with them and also what kind of messaging resonates best with them um you may not have email addresses for your local community but you might be able to align yourself with um different organizations within let's say your school community uh a parent teacher association the school district itself the district fine arts department you might be able to i mean even reach out you know to your football parents so let's say if it's a marching band campaign you might be able to draw in some ancillary support um for a specific campaign that might lend itself well to the outcome. So you you need to also decide how you're going to speak to this audience. So is it going to be social media only? You need, if so, and that may not be a bad way to go and it may be your only option, but just keep in mind when you're leveraging social media and you're really depending on social media to do the the heavy lifting in terms of your communication, you also have to accept, let's say, Facebook as a primary example, you have to accept their inadequacies and their limitations. So social is fine and we use it in every single campaign we do at fans race, but you need to also understand the limitations. Every time somebody shares an update with their followers or with their uh, friends, let's say only a small number of those individuals are going to actually see a post that one of your members or one of your band parents are going to post. So you might think you might start doing the math and say, okay, we have a hundred kids in our program and let's say in each household might have access to 800 different contacts and friends. How many of them are peers? Because if they're peers of your students, students are, they're not going to be donating. You got to be thinking about parents. You got to be thinking about relatives and you got to really think about where the checkbooks reside with your campaign. So If you isolate on peers and try to get your kids to just purely share things on social, Snapchat and Instagram are great, but that's not where your donor money is. So you really have to think pragmatically about how do you tap into the most likely audience to support your campaign. So if you opt for email, which is always the way that we approach it at Fansraise, you need to have a plan. You need to have an understanding of the tone, the voice you're going to use in your messaging, the mechanics of your messaging, things like you know opt-outs, complying with cam spam uh, requirements, you know all of the little bits and pieces and the moving parts for conducting a comprehensive email campaign. It is not easy. It can be done, uh, and it you know fortunately it's something that with a little bit of pre-preparation and foresight is achie- is achievable and is attainable. The fourth thing that we would recommend you consider is all hands on deck. So if you can get close to 100% of your organization that is engaged, involved, and supporting your campaign, this will allow it to reach something close to its fullest potential, whatever that may be. So the more structure that you can put around member expectations, how your students, how your members are going to interact with this campaign. What do they need to do? What are you asking them to do? How clear can you make that? You know, the more promotion you're going to be able to get and the more likely donors you're going to be able to bring the campaign to. So, to that point, I want to go out of my way here to point out that most people that are going to donate are going to have some sort of direct linkage to your membership or to your organization, either as alumni current members, or something of that sort. So the ability to leverage those people that are the most likely to donate and are the close, the, the most closely connected to your current membership, uh, that's gonna really be the key to cultivating lots of donors and lots of success. The fifth thing is that given all of these different requirements and all of these considerations, should it scare you off of actually pulling the trigger and doing something. I don't think it should. Uh, I think all of these things, number one, we've blogged about it. We've generated content. We've done all kinds of different support mechanisms to try to make it easy uh, or as easy as possible for our followers at Fansraise. But um, fortunately for you, we've really built a template and a system predicated around all of these different items. So for instance, we have automation tools built into our platform that allow you to identify your audience, engage with your memberships, uh, identify a launch date and potentially an end date, giving the campaign kind of a shelf life where you can build urgency, not just with your membership, but also with your donors. Um, You can monitor communications. You can see uh, behavior from within your membership, who is promoting it, who is not, who is on board, who is engaged and disengaged. And then you also have the other added complexity of your donation page. How are you going to design your page? How are you going to fashion it in that it is attractive? It clearly states your need. It clearly states the ask that you're trying to express. Um, That's a little bit tricky. And you really have it set up the way that's optimized uh, and the way you want. Uh, And then also payment processing. So you want to really go about this with PayPal and and something that's very, very generic. So the good news, I'll take a breath here and I'll step back. The good news is that we have built all of these elements in within FansRays. So we have done all of the heavy lifting for you in terms of automating engagement with your audience, engagement with your members, setting up your campaign, building your page, making it attractive, making it clear Uh, We have writers and designers and content experts that are actually watching your campaign from the back end, making sure that it is everything it needs to be. Uh, Now, to this end, this might sound like a lot. And most this is really what I would classify as one of those things that sits outside of the core competencies for most music educators, most band boosters. This is just different. And this is, we believe, or I believe, I should say, that this is far and away different than just setting up a garden variety GoFundMe page. People aren't going to just give for the warm, fuzzy feeling of giving. They need a connection. They need a linkage to your program and what's going on and how they can help. And those are elements that have to be specifically stated. So we've actually published something we're calling the $10,000 blueprint, which $10,000... To some organizations, that's like the minimum that they would expect from a fundraiser. Other organizations would cut their left arm off to raise $10,000 doing any fundraiser. So $10,000 is what we consider kind of the middle point. And I believe even with a 20 or 30 person ensemble, let's say it's a high school choir, it's a jazz band, it's a percussion ensemble, it's a color guard, it could be a lot of different things, but with a small organization... If a campaign is constructed right, if it's put together well, if it's thought out, you should be able to raise minimum $10,000. Now, your mileage may vary, as they say, but I really firmly believe that every organization can be highly successful and raise money on that level without a whole lot of work, a whole lot of effort, and really a whole lot of planning. So we put together a blueprint and a thumbnail guide on how to approach that and how to go about it. So in the show notes on this podcast, I'm going to link to our landing page. Uh, It's a free download. You can download the $10,000 blueprint, review it with your boosters, review it with your ensemble director, your organizational director. And this is really uh, a program and a methodology that we've built with the performing arts in mind. So my hope is that on some level, what we're doing at Fans Raise can resonate and, and become compatible with what you're teaching your students and what you're really after from an artistic point of view. So, with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this short form podcast. It's just a hair over 20 minutes or so. But uh, again, my name is Brian Gilbert, I'm the CEO and the founder of Fans Raise. And if there's anything that we can do to help make your performing arts journey a little bit easier, Uh, a little bit uh, more stress-free, please reach out to us. You can reach us at info at fansraise.com. All right, so that's going to be it for right now. Uh, We appreciate your listening. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can reach us at fansraise. Uh, And also subscribe to this blog and to our podcast. And we use these things on a weekly basis to try to get the word out uh, to help make life easier for our friends in the performing arts world. So, thanks again. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.